Hello everyone and welcome to the Banter Roundtable podcast. This is your host, Ben Cohen. And I'm Bob Seska. And I'm Justin Rosario. The Banter Roundtable podcast is brought to you by the Banter Newsletter. We rely on our generous subscribers to keep going, so please support us by signing up for a Banter membership today. You can get a 50% discount when you join the community and you'll get access to all our premium articles and locked archive. We will also be supporting independent, responsible media at a crucial time when our democracy is in peril. Your support is greatly appreciated. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode two of the Banter Roundtable podcast. Um, guys, how are you this morning? Hey, Ben, how you doing? How's it going? We're awesome. Good. So uh, we thought we'd start today off by talking about a bow and arrow killing in Norway, uh, as per Justin's request. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I shouldn't laugh. But, 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 I mean, it's, it's what it's the way crazy. you the way you phrase it. It's <laughs> yeah, I mean, are we back in like the 1066 or something like this is yeah, not not the <laughs> 1066. <laughs> the, uh, Justin, what you had some thoughts on this? Yeah, it was it was a real quickie. So um, uh, Lauren, Lauren, uh, Bobert jumped into this and it was like, haha. So see a guy was running around Norway with a bow and arrow and he shot people and it wasn't the gun. It was the mass murderers. It's always the killers. It's not the guns. And that is probably the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life in Norway back in 2011. Do you remember the guy who killed 77 people? 10 yeah. of them with a the bomb. 67 of them with a gun mm-hmm. and this this guy clearly the one with the bow and arrow clearly wanted to kill as many people as possible but it's really hard to get a gun in norway you know the guy the first guy you know back in 2011 he had to try a couple of different times before he got his hands on a gun before he was able to do what he did without it he would not have killed nearly that many people you know and not for nothing i i i have a bow and arrow like I have a real bow and I shoot real arrows and mm-hmm. I am reasonably decent at it. Being able to kill seven people on the run while they're moving is really hard. Okay. This is not something that you just do easily. It's not, Oh, I found a bow and arrow. Now I can go on a killing spree. That's not going to happen. Hmm. You know, this guy had some experience with it because if someone just randomly picked up a bow and arrow, they're just going to miss every. They're going to be like freaking stormtroopers, not going to be able to hit the side of a barn. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it is the guns. <laughs> you know, this very morning, I got an email from my kids' middle school saying they're in lockdown because of a threat. And I promise you, that threat is not with a bow and arrow, it's with a gun. Someone threatened to come in and shoot somebody. That's why they're on lockdown right now. And the local high school is closed because of this it's not a bow and arrow it's not any weapon it's the fucking guns mm-hmm. if you make the guns hard to find or hard to get you stop having these mass murders it's just it's just reality yeah. you know and her whole point to this she proves the point same country more than 10 times as many dead with a gun so that's yeah, it I mean, that's what about that in in las vegas right that the mass shooting in las vegas where <clears throat> yeah, he killed. Oh my god, that, he didn't have. He had a machine gun. That wasn't even like an assault rifle. He had an actual machine gun. I think. You know that guy was that guy unloaded on a huge crowd. That ain't happening with a bow and arrow. That only happens yeah. in like you know Lord of the Rings movies. He that killed, doesn't happen in real life. Here we go. This guy killed um, sixty-one people, uh, and he injured four hundred. He, he, he injured 867 people. Four, 411 were injured by gunfire. That's the kind of damage you can do with a gun. And yeah, I mean, look, obviously, um, any mass killing, any killing, any killing, one person, two people, three people, four, it's, it's horrible. Uh, but as mass killings go, if you're in the, if you're under 10, right? If you're under 10, that in American standards, that's pretty low. Right, that's actually right, not. And how depressing is that? Is that right, right. Of course, it, that's big news in Norway. That's huge news. That's Monday morning in America. 
five people killed, five people murdered, five people in a mass killing. In a, that happened. That that's a that's and all a, and all yeah. I ever think when I see that is like, oh, that's it. Thank God. Yeah, that's, that's all sad, I can think. As sad as it is, right? No, I I think it's a it's a good point. Um, the thing that the thing that always concerns me when this subject comes up it is through the context of COVID and experiencing what, uh, you know, a decent percentage of our fellow Americans believe about this virus and about how to deal with it. I get the sense that we're on this path toward enduring uh, crisis after crisis. And in the case of uh, firearms in this country, gun control and, and mass shootings, I get the sense that more and more people are like, what are you going to do? It's Chinatown. We just... <laughs> It's going to keep happening, so we might as well live with it. And that scares the piss out of me, not only because you're going to see more mass shootings as time goes on without any mitigation whatsoever, but then on top of that, uh, the next virus that comes along, what's the attitude going to be toward that? Let's just, oh, let's just deal with it. Or in the macro sense, the climate crisis, you know, how are we going to deal with that? Are we just going to say, well, let's live with the climate crisis and figure out a better way to, to build us a, a seawall? You know, that's that I'm, more, I'm afraid that's going to be our salute. Yeah, exactly right. Air conditioning and seawalls all around hurricane proof construction. That's how we're going to deal with the climate crisis instead of actually tackling the root cause of it. And so that's what really concerns me. We're we're in this mode right now of, <clears throat> well, well, let's just deal with it and uh, cope with it and hope it goes away. And uh, I don't see that as a solution to anything or, or going anywhere good. It's being desensitized to it. I think, you know, yeah. like I've got a theory um, about what it takes to become an American. And and this is a theory that, that a friend of another British friend of mine who lives out here, mm-hmm. we've, we've gone back and forth over this. And it's, it's the acceptance of mass death and the desens- just becoming desensitized to it over time. That yeah. is really the kind of that's what it takes really to to kind of being I don't know become an Amer- a true American is to just realize that this is the way America is, and mm-hmm. it's sad. It's really sad. It's really and I I still ref- I don't I can't accept it. I still refuse to accept it. I still think that there's a way to fight for sensible gun control but i lose faith i have lost a lot of faith over the past few years particularly sandy hook you know um and i think maybe i'm not quite an american yet because i still don't accept it but (laughs) maybe there will come a day when i accept it and that's there there you go i'm i'm an american yeah something something i saw today going back to the uh the pandemic for a second uh the report now is that COVID-19 was the number one killer of Americans age 35 to 54 last month, number two overall among all age groups. And you juxtapose that with uh, something Charlie Kirk tweeted a couple of days ago, three days ago, he tweeted, reject tyranny, catch the freedom flu. Oh, is that where that came from? 12,000 likes, 549 quote tweets, uh, 3,138 retweets on that one. So that's the word going out to the red hats. Reject tyranny, catch the hashtag freedom flu. And he made it a hashtag. I should have, I should have read really, it that way the first time. It really time. is yeah. a fucking death cult. I swear to God. <laughs> yeah. The number one killer of people in Charlie Kirk's age group. Wow. And he's telling his people to go out and get it. It's remarkable, remarkable how upside down things are right now. Yeah, actually, this leads us quite nicely into, <clears throat> Justin, your piece this week, um, which is uh, titled Smug Liberals Empower the Far Right. Fuck you. Which I'm, <laughs> a, great, a great headline. Uh, a, a great piece as well. Fantastic piece. Do you want to give us just a rundown of, of why you... First of all, why did you write the piece? What in, What kind of... Um, well, last all right. So last week, right uh, on the on the Bounty Round table, um, we we had a quick aside to talking about how the press keeps just kind of whitewashing the Republican um, responsibility for the current wave of Delta. Right? They, it's not like they bought Delta to the country, but they surely made it way worse than it needed to be. Right? And they've been doing this since the beginning. They keep quietly just kind of erasing 
where it's coming from, how it's spreading so much. And then they just blame Democrats and say, oh, my God, why, why, why is why are Democrats and the liberals and Joe Biden? Why are they turning away all of these people who could possibly get vaccinated? It's their fault for being so smug. And I got really annoyed. I've been really annoyed about that for quite some time. But right after we were done with um, the podcast, another article came out or I came across another article in the Washington Post blaming the smug left. And it was just like, you know what? Fuck you. And I got really, really pissed off. So I decided I'm going to write about that. And that's what I ended up doing. And now this is a huge, there's a spectrum of, of this bullshit on the left, on the right. And it goes from liberals are doing this on purpose, right? They're purposely being smug and arrogant and rude in order to convince the MAGAs not to get the um, vaccine, right? That came from Breitbart. They're just straight up blaming and saying it's a conspiracy in order for us. Uh, we're trying to kill them by convincing them not to get the vaccine by telling them to get the vaccine in such a smug way. Okay. So mm-hmm. now uh, this is, this is, this is the, the money quote for them. The organized left is deliberately putting unvaccinated Trump supporters in an impossible position where they can either not get a life-saving vaccine or can feel like cucks caving to the ugliest, smuggest bullies in the world. (laughs) And that was like, to me, like an amazing leap of pretzel logic. Yeah. Right. But then over at the Atlantic, uh, you have uh, one of their writers giving the exact same argument. Uh, Simon Copeland, um, or Copeland, whatever. But he wrote he wrote exactly the same idea, except without the malicious intent, hmm. right? So the reason that the right is not getting uh, their vaccines is because uh, the left is just so smug and arrogant, and it's their fault that the people on the right aren't getting it. And that's like starting world. That's like talking about world war two and starting with the invasion of Normandy on D day. And then going, Oh my God, I can't believe the United States invaded Europe to go after the Germans. Yeah, the Germans weren't point. even doing anything. They were just, they were just there. I don't understand. Right. You can't skip the first part. You have to go into the whole beginning of Republicans have been deliberately telling people not to get vaccinated and demonizing the vaccinations and making up bullshit stories about how it magnetizes you and it makes you sterile and it's got microchips in it. That's all come from the right wing. And Republicans have been spreading it like peanut butter all over everything. It's nice and thick and crunchy and they can't stop because that's their whole thing right now. Don't get the vaccine undermine Biden and then say, my God, I can't believe Biden hasn't solved COVID. Hmm. So, you know, it, it, it's driving me fucking crazy. And I just will not tolerate that when I come across it on some, like somebody on Facebook or on Twitter. It's like, I have no patience for it whatsoever. You know, and we have to, we have, to, I know we're supposed to be all civil and nice and polite, but that's just a way to keep us shut up. Like, don't push back. Let them lie. And it's like, why is why is it they get to lie? But if I say something about it, I'm being rude. It's like, you're lying. You're full of shit. I don't, I don't have to put up with this. It's not my fault you're a moron. <laughs> How is this my fault? Don't blame me. Take some goddamn responsibility for much of your fucking life. I'm just absolutely tired of it. And we we on the on the organized left, because such a thing exists, we need to start really pushing back and saying, screw you. I'm not your villain. I don't get to be your villain, especially with the press, because they keep doing this. They keep not talking about Republican responsibility in this. It's all Biden's fault for not convincing people to get vaccinated without talking about Republicans working day and night to convince those people to not get vaccinated. So I don't see how we should have to put up with that. And we shouldn't. We absolutely shouldn't. It's like, no, take responsibility. You did it to yourselves. Your party's killing you. Don't blame me. Take responsibility. 
But it's, it, this this is like the Republican playbook, though, right? Isn't it? It's it's um, screw something up, uh, then blame the left for it, right? To claim say it's everything is is the Democrats' fault, and we can't take any responsibility for it because you know, um, yeah, right. I mean, it, it takes complicity with you know media complicity, right? The media, if the it media absolutely not, takes media complicity, holding a hundred percent, because people wonder why you know. I've been asked, you know, it's like, why don't you go after the left? Why don't you go after Democrats much in your writing? And it's like, I don't really have the time, right? Because the unbelievable amount of bullshit on the right, it's it's so egregious and so dangerous that you don't really have much of an opportunity to look at the left. I mean, look, I have many criticisms of the left. I have many criticisms of the Democratic Party, of the Democrats, of various politicians. I think, you know, um, in an ideal world, I'd be allowed to criticize, you know, I'd, I'd be criticizing Joe Biden, right, without it turning into a kind of, oh, are you not on Team Biden? It'd be like, yeah, I am on Team Biden, but I have some criticism. But the the fact is, is that I don't have time, right? And there are... the, the the sort of the problems with the GOP and the problems with Democrats is it, it's so unbalanced that you can't you genuinely if you have if you're an honest person you cannot draw any equivalence between between the two whatsoever and I think that your article kind of highlights this as well uh, looking at, at right least- and, and and that's that's one of the problems with the press they can't they're having trouble right now blaming both sides for this. Like they usually, usually they both sides everything, right? Right. That's like, that's like, that's a, that's, it's, it's like a punchline now. You know, Chuck Todd exists to both sides everything. Chris Eliza finds a billion different ways to both sides everything. But they're having trouble doing that right now because Republicans are so far over the edge that there's no rational comparison. Like you can't say, boy, those Democrats were really smug about pushing masks and vaccines and say, and that's exactly the same as Republicans saying vaccines will kill you. Don't take them. You can't put those together. It doesn't make sense when you say it out loud and it won't make sense to anyone when you say it that way. So they have to very carefully reword. It's like, well, you know, vaccines, vaccine hesitancy, vaccine resistance, or they just don't talk about it at all. Vaccine hesitancy, yeah, that's my favorite one. That's that's the that's the way that you you um, exonerate Republicans or people who won't take the vaccine from any any kind of responsibility. Vaccine hesitancy, um, Bob. I think this sort of your your piece this week as well is it's not so much the media that mm-hmm. you go after in your piece this week, um, but Democrats are not cowards. So why are liberals repeating GOP smears? You're talking. You talk about something which is comes from the left itself yeah yeah this is like uh i consider this piece part of this thing that i occasionally do as kind of a talking point traffic cop like okay we're doing (laughs) it wrong we gotta gotta get back into the lane here you're veering off into the shoulder (laughs) don't let's let's correct uh here let's do a course correction and in this case um the reaction to a series of Rick Wilson tweets really set me off last week. And I've been talking about it, writing about it since then, certainly in the context of this piece, I wanted to mention something about Justin's piece real quick, uh, where you started off Justin about talking about how some Republicans are talking about how, uh, liberals are tricking them into not getting vaccinated and dying from the virus somehow. I think yeah. that to an extent, I my instinct is almost to let them go and, and keep saying that. If they want to confess that the left is flim-flamming them and they're falling for it, <laughs> go, please, keep talking that way. I By know, all it would means, be great, indict it would yourselves. Be great if they took the vaccine to own the libs as opposed <laughs> to, I won't get the vaccine to own the libs. But Yeah, yeah. Oh, those those crafty liberals, they're convincing me to not get vaccinated. And, oh, now now I'm in a hospital. Oh, and now I'm dying. Oh, oh, those terrible liberals for tricking me into not doing something that every responsible adult is doing. <laughs> it's just amazing. Um, an amazing confession. We're so deluded in up our own asses 
we're just a pack of suckers. We're just uh, so easily scammed. We're marks. We're like the Washington generals against the uh, Harlem Globetrotters, you know, we're <laughs> just immediately getting our pants uh, dragged down to our ankles in the locker room. You know, that's like one of those things. It's just such a, a, a telling confession to make a, about their own people. But in terms of uh, what happened last week and, and what continues to happen, in fact, today uh, there's a lot of news about Steve Bannon and criminal contempt referrals uh, coming out of the House of Representatives. And <clears throat> this takes us back to uh, uh, Friday. And uh, Rick Wilson, never Trumper, Lincoln Project guy, uh, posted a tweet thread in which he suggested that he had uh, uh, several sources. He made a bunch of calls indicating to him that the January 6th committee was done. They were wrapping things up. They're dead. They're not going to be pursuing any criminal contempt charges. They're not going to put any teeth behind their final report. And it's all the fault of these gutless, you can use the term gutless Democrats, right? And what alarmed me was not necessarily that Rick Wilson was going after Democrats. That's... <laughs> It's kind of one of those things where the never Trumpers are in the process of transitioning, in a sense, from being, you know, conservative Republicans into moderate Democrats. And it's going to take a while for that evolution to uh, to continue. What pissed me off was the liberal reaction to that, which wasn't, hey, stop perpetuating the trope about liberals being effete and weak and whatever, wimpy. Uh, instead, it wasn't that. Instead, it was, yeah, those Democrats are weak and wimpy and, oh, my God, why don't they get a spine? And I'm going, are we are is that what we're doing now on the left? We're repeating a, a, a Republican trope that goes back as long as I can remember, certainly throughout the span of my lifetime, the last 50 years. The Republicans have been demonizing the Democrats, specifically demonizing the word liberal and turning it into something that it's not. And uh, so what I wanted to do was, in the context of criminal contempt charges, criminal contempt referrals out of the House of Representatives, what I wanted to do was illustrate that the Democrats actually use that lever of power more often than the Republicans. So if your goal is to say the Democrats are wimpy because they're not doing this, by default, the Republicans are not wimpy, you're doing it wrong. Because when it comes to criminal contempt referrals over the last 20 years, the Democrats have successfully passed on criminal contempt referrals to the Department of Justice twice as many times as the Republicans. The Republicans got, uh, let's see, the Republicans got Eric Holder and one, I, I want to say one other that slips my mind, Lois Lerner from the IRS was the, the second one. The Democrats in the last 20 years have uh, successfully passed through the, a, a floor vote among the entire House, criminal contempt referrals against um, Harriet Myers, Josh Bolton, both Bush administration officials. And then you skip ahead because the Republicans had a bunch of years there where they controlled the House. Uh, after Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats regained control in 2007, they've uh, filed criminal contempt referrals uh, since then against uh, Bill Barr and, uh, and Wilbur Ross. And I, th I feel like I'm forgetting one. But suffice to say, there have been more uh, uh, criminal contempt referrals coming from the House Democrats than coming from the House Republicans over the last 20 years. And that's a fact. So when we're sitting here talking about why don't the Democrats ever throw these guys in prison? First of all, there is no mechanism for the, the House Democrats to suddenly nab someone and toss them in jail. And this whole trope about... Why don't the Democrats just throw this guy in jail or throw that would lock him up, lock him up is basically the chat is basically we're embracing the Mike Flynn thing. Summarily jailing our political enemies is not what we do in this country. As satisfying as that would be for now, it's just not. Yeah, it would be seen as completely illegitimate. It would be seen as a massive overreach of power. It would be seen as persecuting your political enemy. What we have to do is throw them in jail but through the process of, uh, of the rule of law and due process, it has to follow the rules in order to be seen as legitimate. So I'm all in favor of tossing Steve Bannon and Mark Meadows and Cash Patel and Dan Scavino and all the usual suspects into prison for contempt, but it's got to go through the normal stages here. And if you believe that the Republicans 
have some sort of cornering of the market when it comes to being tough on this, you're getting it wrong. The Democrats have done it way more often than the Republicans have. And that was sort of the central gist of this. Like this whole stereotype of the wimpy Democrats is wrong. It's dead wrong. And I'm not saying that as a partisan. I, I'm defaulting to the Democrats. They're the last adults in the room. They deserve some sort of support along those lines since they're <clears throat> standing between us and the rise of fascist idiocracy. But at the same time, look, on top of all of that, they impeached a sitting president, not once, but twice. And not over the span of a long time, maybe this guy here and that guy later on, the same guy within the course of a single year. Don't tell me the House Democrats are weak and wimpy because that is a lie. That is a lie perpetuated by a guy, Rick Wilson, who spent 2002 demonizing a Vietnam War veteran who left three limbs in Vietnam, calling him unpatriotic and with Saddam Hussein and with Osama bin Laden. So keep that context in mind. I, I consider some of those guys, some of the never Trumpers to be acquaintances, and I've had uh, very collegial conversations with them. I consider uh, Tom Nichols kind of a, an e-friend. But at the same time, I know where they come from, and you have to be careful when it comes to repeating uh, their memes and their tweets and so on and what they say about Democrats, because their instinct is to say, look at those Democrats acting like doormats once again. And that's, that's not the case at all. Yeah, what is that instinct? I mean, some of the worst offenders, I think one of the worst offenders is our, is our buddy at uh, the Young Turks, um, Jenk Uger. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and this basically is it's this sort of um, knee-jerk response to everything when we don't get our own way. It's the Democrats are so weak, the Democrats are cowards. And it's like, do you understand how the political system works? And it was all this stuff about Obama being a coward and Obama wasn't strong enough. And it's like, do you understand the dynamics this guy had to navigate, right? The obstacles this guy had to face within his own party, within, you know, uh, with, with Republicans. It was, he had an almost impossible job to do. Yeah. Um, and yet he managed to, you know, pass the Affordable Care Act. Um, he completely sort of transformed, uh, at least in my opinion, America's like image abroad after the Bush years. In many, you know, he um, brought the economy back from the worst crash in a hundred years. Yeah. So, but yet there's this persistent myth that he was weak and that he was ineffective and that he was a coward and that the Democrats are cowards. And yeah, you know. It's is this like a money making thing with some people in the, on the oh, left? No, it's definitely a money making thing. With yeah, some. it is. It is. You 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 can never go broke attacking Democrats. Yeah, and it's and it's still it's false. And, and you know, I think Barack Obama had a uh, a really acute sense of of history. He still does, and uh, specifically political history. The uh, shovel fights back and forth between Republicans and Democrats goes back a long, long way. And I think. If anyone in a higher office had a, a firm grasp of how that works and where it's going, it's Barack Obama. He's a very smart guy, uh, extraordinarily knowledgeable in terms of the, you know, as I said, the history of politics here. And the thing that he was observing, and I think that we should all bear this in mind, is, yeah, there's this instinct uh, among Democrats to try to co-opt some of the things Republicans do. Well, let's do what they're doing. Let's fight fire and, and fight back with their own tactics against them. Well, you know, 20, 30 years, you could do that and and remain legitimate. You could remain a legitimate party by kind of borrowing some of the Republican playbook. Now, if you borrow some of the Republican playbook, what you're borrowing is authoritarianism. You're borrowing fascism. And make no mistake, that is the central thrust of the Trump-guided Republican movement right now. And we don't want to go there. We don't want to fight authoritarianism by embracing authoritarianism. Uh, authoritarianism. We don't want to fight back against uh, this rise of uh, uh, sort of normalizing secession on the right. Like this is a thing that we can actually do. We don't want to do that either because then we are also secessionists and all of the ugliness that goes along with that moniker. We don't want to do that. And I think Barack Obama understood that. He understood that embracing the Republican tactics of 2009 through um, when he left office, which was um, 2017. 
in that period of time, you saw the rise of Donald Trump. You saw the rise of people like Orly Tates and, and birtherism and the rise of Alex Jones and conspiracy theories and how that was really taking hold as a Republican thing. Do we really want to do that same thing? Do we really want to pursue our policy goals by embracing the authoritarianism and the fuckery that we see uh, from the Republican Party. I, I don't. I don't want to be a part of that party. In fact, it's a, it's more imperative now that the Democrats act like adults in the room than ever before because the stakes are so high. And if we lose sight of that, we're just, <laughs> we're dumping more gasoline onto the bonfire. We're, we're launching more nukes against our own system, uh, adding to what the Republicans are doing as they tear down institutions. Uh, I don't want I don't want any part of that. So if it seems like I'm loyal to the Democratic Party or I'm a, a Obama bot or whatever you want to call it, that's I I take serious issue against that accusation only because the Democrats are the last game in town. They're the last people. And if we undermine them, what's left? What comes in after that? What is the what is filling that power vacuum? God damn, I, the, the answer to that question is terrifying. Yeah, we've and, seen that. You, you also gotta, you also gotta keep in mind that when it comes to the, uh, Dems are weak narrative, that's something else that the press, um, really backstops yeah. for the Republicans, you know, like the press, uh, they, they love to say that they're above politics, but they very much have a habit of, um, defending the status quo. And Republicans now they're I mean they've gotten really extreme and they're slowly well not that slowly, but they're dismantling institutions. But Democrat but as a party, they don't want to change a whole lot when they're in when they're in power because the status quo is working for them, right? They get their tax cuts, they get their deregulation, and they don't really do anything in when they're in power, be right, because they don't have to. They just put more judges in place and they let the courts slowly dismantle our freedoms and our rights and our et cetera. But when the Democrats are in power, they go in there with the intent to change things, right? They want to move things to the left. They want to make things better, which is not the status quo. So when Republicans can't do something, the press doesn't treat it the same way. Like the entire time that the Republicans were trying to get rid of um, Obamacare, Right. They, they spent months on that and they failed miserably, completely. The press didn't treat it the same way that they're treating what's going on with the Democrats right now. They, right. Every other headline is Dems in disarray, Dems civil war. Oh, my God. Dems are going to fail. Like you can taste it, how badly they want them not to be able to pass these bills. And when they pass these bills, I promise you, I promise you. You're going to see headlines about how passing these bills is bad for the Dems going into the midterms. Dems in disarray. Politico actually had last week they had a Dems in disarray um, in the headline. Of course they did. Of course they fucking did. Of course they did. It's Politico. I think now, though, I think, uh, Justin, to your point about Republicans and and changing things, I, I think that shifted over the past five years. I think there has been a significant change in the direction of the Republican Party with the rise of Donald Trump and with the success, the political success of Donald Trump. Say what you will about 2020. Obviously, he lost. But, you know, Donald Trump's style worked well enough to get him into office and to create this giant movement around him. And so uh, I think they want to use that. And certainly I know Donald Trump wants to use that. Certainly I know Vladimir Putin wants us to use that. I think the the, the drive of the Republican Party now is to uh, is to tear down all of these certainly New Deal institutions, but institutions beyond that uh, impediments to the rise of, of permanent power being occupied by the Republican Party. And they'll change all kinds of shit. I mean, the amount of uh, tearing down Donald Trump did of just the federal bureaucracy over the course of his four years is it's immeasurable. I mean, replacing longtime bureaucrats, government workers who have nothing to do with politics. In fact, they're they're told not to engage in politics whatsoever. Those people 
seen as disloyal were removed from the federal bureaucracy. Uh, the State Department was torn down brick by brick by Donald Trump and uh, Steve Bannon and the White House at the time. Uh, this is continuing on throughout government, and that's what they want to continue the job as soon as they come back in. So there is yeah, this no, sense Steve that- Steve Bannon's planning on, he's, what is it, 20,000 shock troopers to come in and just dismantle the rest of the government. Yeah, there you go. I mean, it's- But the, it'll never be treated that way by the press. It won't get the same kind of hair on fire reporting. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because yeah. somehow that doesn't count as changing things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Instead, yeah. they're fussing over vaccine mandates, right? This is what they're, everyone's in a big, you know, this is being given, like Democrats are seen as being authoritarian because of- Right. We've had school vaccines, mandatory school vaccines since before I was born. Vaccines have been, um, government's been able to mandate vaccines for 100 years. But now, now it's seen as big government overreach and the press can't stop talking about it. Yeah, yeah. The, The press gets caught on a particular track and it's very difficult to change tracks back. At some point in the in the past, certainly in the near past, maybe in the last 30, 40 years, the press kind of veered off into this territory of, and and, and certainly it coincides with the rise of cable news. Uh, I think a lot of the criticism of the press that we throw around is specific to cable news. I think that's the central, because most people who engage in politics have some sort of finger on the pulse of cable news. So uh, that that tends to be the central culprit in our, you know, uh, universal headache (laughs) as the case may be uh so what they have done is they've created this dramatic narrative and there are certain it's almost like a mad lips where you have to insert certain verbs and nouns in in a particular place to fill that story to complete that narrative and very seldom do you see them straying from that format and that's really what's what's frustrating is because you they know what's really going on and 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 they're still trying to crowbar it into this old script, despite the fact that the script has changed significantly. Even the roles of the two parties have changed quite a bit. I mean, we're in the midst of some sort of uh, party realignment to an extent uh, right now. And so the the script has to change. And I think a lot of the negative views, at least according to polls of the uh, news media right now, are because of that. People don't feel like the, the press is really wired into what's what's going on. And I think, uh, fortunately, I think the rest of us kind of at least have a sense so that we can tell our audiences what what's actually happening. And I'm not well, talking about terms of conspiracies or anything like that. I'm just talking about the general observation of the news and, and how that's getting uh, so terribly skewed by uh, the usual suspects. Yeah, guys, just before... Okay, so on to our final segment, which is my my piece, my uh, my, my free piece, actually, for the, the week. It's part one of a part two series on um, uh, new age um, psychedelic users and vaccine resistance, um, which is another sort of vector in this madness that we're in now, um, where I talked a little bit about it last week i was still working on it it's taken me quite a long time to put my thoughts together and and do my um, due diligence on on this subject because it's quite complex and quite far-reaching but this is another issue that we're facing not only have we got um vaccine resistance and insanity on the right we've got now vast sectors of the kind of wellness community and new age community and so-called spiritual community who are now joining in vaccine resistance, sharing right-wing propaganda, and generally being a gigantic pain in the arse as we're in the midst of this like horrendous pandemic. It's killing, still killing thousands of people, um, you know, at least weekly now. So, yeah, I mean, it's re- this has really been, I- I've, over the last year and a half, this is something that's been kind of quite close. That I, I followed this quite closely and I feel some connection to it because I do know a lot of people in these circles, um, in particularly in the wellness world, in you know, people who have used um, psychedelics. Um, and now this is what, what you're seeing is this kind of, I don't even know what you would call it, but it's, it's a kind of a burst of insanity um, that's spreading through it. again, like Facebook, our, our great, our, our friend, um, 
Mark Zuckerberg and his uh, wonderful social media platform has made this this infinitely worse. Uh, but it, yeah, it's a, it's a big problem, and I don't quite know how to how we get out of this one. Um, I don't know if you guys have know anybody in these spaces in that kind of wellness world or new age spiritual world. Like, what you had any experience with that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. I mean, I do a lot of uh, weightlifting and bike riding and things like that. So, you know, I think anyone who is to any extent into fitness or healthier eating or supplementation and things like that, we've all gone down those rabbit holes. I certainly have on on YouTube. Um, But, you know, like with anything else, the problem is, you know, people who are predisposed to accepting at face value the, the things they see on the internet versus people who have a brain in their heads and can go, Hey, you know what? Maybe, maybe this guy's trying to scam me. Maybe I should check some of this shit out on my own. And that's, uh, I think that's always a good policy. And, uh, and, and so, you know, cause some of it's actually helpful. I, I found that, um, I've discovered some things as far as, uh, uh, you know, nutritional supplements that are actually effective and, and work as promised. There's a lot of shit out there that is just snake oil and people taking it, just awful, awful things. And, uh, you know, there's, in fact, on YouTube, there's an entire community of, uh, of, uh, people who are into, uh, weightlifting who kind of enumerate how exactly you put together a steroid stack and, uh, you know, the things that you need to get and, and how you, combat the uh, side effects and so on and it's it's a giant community now and they're making a lot of money on uh, advertising and shit like that uh, in the process of selling snake oil and uh, poison to to their uh, viewers it's an amazing thing to look at right sorry sorry, go ahead go ahead ahead, Justin well Debbie's Debbie's mother my my mother-in-law this is the one I haven't spoken to in uh, five years but um, she recently discovered healing crystals and now is apparently super super into it and is insisting that debbie wear healing crystals and we're not entirely sure where that came from but if she's like a hardcore trumper um she did get the vaccine because she lives in um she lives in the villages in florida which was like you know pandemic central for a while so she wasn't crazy enough not to get it but i wonder if this is part of that you know if if she just kind of got sucked into that new age thing because it's so you know anti-vax and that just kind of appeals to her as a trumper um i would ask her but that would require me talking to her that's (laughs) not gonna happen so yeah and 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 so what you're talking about this is this is what, what i have been increasingly worried about is this convergence. It's like this meeting point between um, new age spirituality and um, and far right sort of politics, almost fascist, fascistic uh, policies. And if, you know, the more I've looked into this, the more I, you know, this is not new, basically. This is not new at all. In fact, if you, you all we have to do is look at Nazi ideology, right? That, you know, if you look at the, the obviously the swastika, uh, is a is a Hindu symbol, um, and the Germans, the 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 Nazis were big into kind of alternative health. Some of them practiced yoga. They were into psychedelics. Um, a lot of it was kind of uh, basically it was a sort of pagan cult gone insane. Um, and now I, I've sort of I can understand where that comes from. Now I really do get where that comes from. It's the, and this idea in, in Nazi Germany about you know Aryan supremacy and the the sort of purity of the of the human body and the you know the Nazis were all as they were viewed as these kind of um, bi- almost bionic soldiers of a pure race of specimen of of the kind of ultimate man the ultimate you know the the German mother was a kind of blonde haired blue eyed the Ubermensch. Yeah, the Ubermensch, right? And and you're seeing this these same ideas and themes rip through New Age circles as well. Um, 
and it's this kind of body shame, you know, it's fat shaming and health shaming. So what you're seeing a lot, a lot of in the wellness industry is this shaming of um, people who are not are not healthy, who are overweight. Um, you know, Joe Rogan, for example, I wrote a piece about this recently about Joe Rogan, um, why Joe Rogan is obsessed with COVID comorbidities. Where right? he had a doctor on his show, um, and his doctor was talking about obviously the, the doctor was saying that COVID is you know extremely dangerous to lots of different cross sections of society and Jerogan said yeah but you know you've got to look at the comorbidities right like people were dying but they have comorbidities it's like okay dude so fucking what so what they have comorbidities what the, the people who are overweight do they not deserve to live because they're overweight you know do old people not deserve to live because they're because they're old and they haven't you know necessarily they haven't had a regiment of supplements their entire life um and, and it's this sort of, and you can kind of see where, how Nazism took off as well, right? That the, the Jews were this, viewed as this sickly race of, um, degen- you know, kind of degenerate um, rats, as it were, subhuman um, sp- species, right? And, and you can kind of, I now kind of understand where that comes from. And a lot of it comes from this, glorification of wellness glorification of health and fitness and of genetics and things like that and it's kind of ripping through the wellness community and yoga and the yoga community and people on the far right are adopting a lot of this stuff and you're seeing you know they're sharing each other's memes on facebook they're sharing each other's you know like you've got crazy right wingers who are now into you know taking supplements and um, yeah, honestly, if you'd have told me a year ago that the America's next push because for eugenics, because you know, not for nothing, if you don't know, if, if you, listeners, if you don't know your history, we invented eugenics. That wasn't the Nazis. That was us. They got it from us. But uh, if you'd have told me that you know the next push of American eugenics would have come from the wellness industry, I would have told you you were crazy. Hmm. But yet here we are. No anymore. Yeah. The comorbidity thing and Joe Rogan, this is a classic scam that they're engaged in. It's a shell game is what it is. It's, mm. hey, look over here, but don't look over in this pile over here. Don't Because what I want you to do is see the thing that I want you to do yourself. And it, it, here's an example of it. Uh, obviously, Joe Rogan with comorbidities, not really explaining to his audience that people who die of certain ailments usually have some sort of comorbidity. It's it's a common thing uh, when it comes to uh, uh, disease and death in this country or, or anywhere and just in, in any humans. Uh, another example of it is Donald Trump uh, just recently talking about that uh, Cyber Ninjas report. And instead of, you know, I think at his rally over this past weekend in Iowa, he was talking about how 24,000 votes were, you know, from people who no longer live at their address anymore. And just blurting out the fact that there were 24,000 votes, people going, oh, my God, 24,000 votes. That would swing the election. Ah, Burn it all down. But what he's not saying in his shell game is that it's very likely that those 24,000 ballots that are not illegal votes, by the way, there's a valid explanation for why they didn't feature the same address or or someone had moved or something like that. Uh, On top of that, the the chances are those votes, the 24,000 votes, split evenly between Biden and Trump, meaning a net zero gain in votes for Trump. In fact, overall, Trump ended up losing uh, something like, I don't know, whatever, th- 250 uh, votes. And then uh, Biden, it was a it was a net gain for Biden of 360 votes. And so that's what they don't tell. They don't, they don't say that because it's uh, this mass deception hoping that people will take everything at face value and not think about what underlies numbers, statistics, facts, and so on. And that's that's the scam. It's a very obvious, very easy to t- detect scam. And it happens at every level of the Republican movement now. But only if you want to see it. Yeah. If you have no interest in seeing it, then you are not going to see anything at all. Yeah. And the average Republican, all day long, right. eyes closed the the the, yeah. the report comes out says look joe biden actually gained votes here all in all at the end of the day biden gained votes that's the cyber ninjas report 
Trump goes to this table from deep within the article or deep within the report and <laughs> finds a bunch of numbers, yanking them out of context as usual and not telling his people the full story behind what those numbers actually mean. That every single one of those statistics that were in the Cyber Ninjas report, you can pretty much split them between Trump and Biden, even Stephen, with maybe a little bit of an advantage for Joe Biden. But he's not going to say that. That's the shell game. Yeah, and obviously, not you know, no, no one's holding them accountable mm-hmm. as well. No one, no one to hold them accountable. Like in this, it, it, you know, in the case of Joe Rogan, I mean, who who holds Joe Rogan? Yeah, accountable for any of the bullshit that he he spouts every day. Yeah. So likewise with the supplement thing, going back to wellness, Ben, uh, mm. so, someone like Joe Rogan or whoever else on YouTube will say, "Hey, try this supplement; it really works." Well, the supplement may only work for twelve hours. And then it's done and no longer effective. But they're not going to say that to anybody because they want to sell the goddamn supplement. It's just there's a whole multi-million dollar industry building up around uh, supplements right now. And it's just more snake oil. It's like it's like a character out of The Simpsons suddenly showing up in Springfield and selling, you know, selling the town a monorail. (laughs) Well, if we look beyond just the coolness of having a monorail. Lots of downsides to having a monorail in a small town. Also, just a quick, another point about Joe Rogan, because yeah. he's trending today, because he had Dr. Sanjay Gupta on, on his show, which I, yes. I haven't watched. But uh, in, Joe Rogan, who has basically told his followers not to get vaccinated, um, or, or he's recommended that young people don't get vaccinated, hasn't taken the vaccine himself, and has hosted numerous um, anti-vax uh, nut jobs on on his show, uh, and he's spreading this sort of distrust of big pharma and you know the government and whatnot. Just to say that Joe Rogan owns a supplement company, and he sold he that supplement company to a giant pharmaceutical company. Wow! I didn't just going to leave that there. Just going to leave it there. This yeah. is just to show you the kind of hip- fucking <laughs> hypocrite. Oh my yeah. god! And you know what the other thing is. If he ends up with long-term uh, health damage because of having COVID-19, if he ends up with lung damage or some other side effect that is indicative of long COVID or whatever, uh, he's not going to tell his audience. I promise you. If, oh, if no. Joe Rogan is suddenly impotent because of having COVID-19, that's something he's never going to reveal on his show because it doesn't suit his uh, agenda. Of course, of course, and obviously, there, there's a great podcast I listen to as well called um, um, "It's Conspirituality mm. Podcast," uh, and they do a really good job of um, keeping tabs on these guys. And it, they, their advice is to always n- not look at what they're saying, but look at what they're selling. Yeah, which which I completely agree with. Um, anyway, guys, that was oh, great. Wait, wait, Ben, real quick. I'm sorry. Yes. Before we finish up, um, last week I. Met in my article, I said that one of the things that was going to start happening soon was that the right was going to start going after pharmacists. An hour after we finished the podcast, an article popped up about a Maryland man killing his pharmacist brother. Oh, and why? Because he was giving people COVID vaccinations, and he was it was a government plot to kill people. So <sighs> that was super depressing to mm, see last yeah. week, and um, that's just starting. Just one of the toss that out there Christ alright thanks for that Justin we'll leave on that positive <laughs> note cheers <laughs> cheers everybody <laughs> alright everyone thanks for listening uh, we really appreciate it and we will see you here for the round table next week adios